just like buy a big uh, roll. You're not gonna of, be of rope and eat that. You know, I mean, that's just why not, not just eat rope. This is not what we're gonna be talking. Why not about. just eat rope? Come on. This is not not. You don't like this subject matter. You don't think it's ready. It's eight fifty-four a.m. Saturday, November the twelfth, twenty twenty-two. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's 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 the Bill and Diane. I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. <laughs> Boy, that to, was a nice little. As if to emphasize. Yes. It. Yeah, it's a little. Ah, uh, here we are. Here we are, Diane. I got to tell you, I I realize that the seasons are are like inverted for me. Summer is my winter. Summer is when I stay indoors and you know, and you know, kind of huddle and you know. Try to stay cool. Cower and yeah, I try to stay cool, and. Uh, and then in, when the weather cools off, then I'm suddenly active again. I feel yeah. like my body is... is uh, and you're out on the roam. Yeah, and... I'm out uh, prowling the streets at all hours of the morning and, you know, stuff like that there. And it feels good. And uh, it's nice for me to be in the cooler weather because it just uh, agrees with me more. Well, that's true of me, too. I mean, yeah. even when I was a kid in Sacramento, we would be hiding inside during yeah. the... During the, during the summer, months. because it was it would get to over a hundred degrees down there, so yeah. well, we'd anyway. be sitting inside with all the drapes drawn, and it just seemed weird, but but it was true. Things are binging. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be interrupting with binging. Bing, bing. Yeah, I didn't like, I mean, if it would get above 80 degrees when I was a kid, I was not happy about it. And if that's about as hot as it got around here in those days. But, uh, yeah. Not so much anymore. Not so much, you know. Not so much. Well, autumn has always been my favorite season, as yeah. everyone who listens to the Bill and Diane show knows. Everyone, Diane? Everyone. Both of them? Both of both them know of this? Both of them know this. All right. Okay, well there you go. So, uh, uh, it, uh, it's been a, so it's been a bountiful week here in Lake Abundance, I would say. Bountiful and sort of graciously quiet and yes. nice. Yes, restful. I think the poetry break was even kind of quiet. I don't know. I felt quiet. Maybe it wasn't quiet, but I felt quiet about it. And I have to say that I'm playing the guitar, Diane. I'm playing quietly, but if you play quietly, then you have a lot of more, a lot more dynamic uh, range to cover. Um, but uh, so you really are playing quietly. You just weren't trying to, you know, dovetail that into the conversation because we were talking about quiet. Is that you really are playing it quietly? Well, yeah, I've been playing quiet, more quietly. Wow. Well, I mean, not on the not on the loud songs, but on. The subtle songs. I think, I I think Diane. Here's what I think is happening. Even though I'm having some pain, you know, I think I'm really starting to like playing sitting down. I think I have more. Uh, I have more uh, options to have the music in my body, 
when I'm sitting down than when I'm standing up. And it's probably only because I'm old. Well, I think it's just easier for me. Doesn't it seem like a lot of the friends that we've had are sitting down now? Yeah. I mean, some of them always did. Right. Well, I, you know, it's just, it's just a thing. I remember my mindset at the time that I decided that I needed to stand if I was going to be a performer. But uh, at this point in life, with the kind of places that I play and stuff like that, it doesn't even make sense to be standing up. Yeah. I think one of the reasons that I got so much juice from the audience when I played at the C&P last month was because I was down lower. I, was, I wasn't singing over their heads. Oh. You know, I was kind of, you know, my face was closer to your face kind of thing. So I liked it. I like your face being close to my face. Well, yeah. <laughs> be that as it may. You know, there were several other faces there, too. Faces, they're important. <laughs> Over to you. <laughs> faces, faces, they're important. I think faces and rope. Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. Will be the themes of today's show. <laughs> you boy. No? It's good coffee. How about faces made out of rope? I feel like my face is made out of rope. Well... <laughs> This this uh, week has been interesting because of the doings of this week, which we do not discuss. You know, the current events. Oh, current events, yeah. But I want to first uh, note before I go on into that, that the highlight of this week for us was that Henry, hmm. our adopted grandson, Yes had decided to do a fundraiser for the Michael J. Fox Foundation. And he started off, uh, he, he has this Instagram clip, and you know they're shorter than, yeah. than the usual um, videos. They're, they're just a certain amount of seconds. Right. I, I don't even... I don't understand it either. I have no idea. Yeah. But you do shorter clips. Right. Yeah. But he did this wonderful, charismatic performance of Johnny B. Good. And he was dressed the same way that Michael J. Fox was in the Back to the Future movies. Right. And uh, had the same, just the same joie de vie and exuberance of that performance that Michael J. Fox did in Back to the Future, which was blowing that song out of the water anyway, you right. know, just because of his presence on stage. And uh, we were so jazzed about that performance anyway that that Henry did. Uh, and then it was... And then Charlotte said... Perhaps people could share it if they felt so inclined. Right. And because some people shared it, including you and me and Kat, and uh, I don't know if there were a lot of I'm other sure people. There were other people. Yeah. Oh, friends of theirs that we don't know. It came to the attention of the Michael J. Fox Foundation, and they put him on as their, um, as their post of the day for, uh, for the, that Team Fox fundraising because of 
I guess they have a whole group of fundraisers that are about family doing something. And we were so, so proud of Henry for everything. I mean, especially to even have the idea. Um, That was just, I just say bravo, Henry. We are in awe of your talent, but also we're in awe of your compassion. Henry's got his heart in the right place, and his head, too. And his hands ain't, ain't bad, either. He's, he's doing good work. He's doing good work. Cat was saying, he's already a shredder. I know. <laughs> no. I, I know. It's true. And he's being embraced by other shredders. And, uh, you know, I think, I think what, is, what is clear to me, and this is off-topic more, this is more backing away from it and looking at it big picture, the way people get their music out there nowadays is completely foreign to me you know i mean with that part of the world of of entertainment and and uh you know mass media consumption and and dispersal has just passed me by and i'm fine with it it's it's fun to watch and watching what henry is doing and the way he's going about doing it and i'm sure stefan and charlotte have a lot to do with that oh definitely so especially stefan probably well, I think both of them probably do. so. Yeah, I I don't know how where the where the technical side of these things uh, falls, but they're they're putting out good quality clips, and I think that's going to be a good thing. And I just hope that Henry's joy in what he's doing uh, continues. Yeah, he's only ten years old. <laughs> he's ten. I keep having to remind myself. He's ten, Bill. He's ten. This is a ten-year-old doing this, Bill. <laughs> Bill, this is a ten. Think of where you were do- were in your talent at ten years old, Bill. <laughs> this guy is ten years old. He's ten, Diane. Diane. I know he's, he's ten. ten. I'm sixty-four, Diane. <laughs> Henry is ten. Okay, just you know. Well, so. Henry, we we are so proud of you. Yeah. We are just, just so proud. Yeah. You're kicking butt and taking names, dude. So the other interesting things that happened for me this week, uh, we watched the the series Gaslit yeah. uh, that was about Watergate. And I, both you and I lived through Watergate, yeah. but I was 16, I think, when it was happening and definitely not that interested in the politics of the day. I was much more interested in my own self-absorbed world at that time. Uh, but my brother was very interested. Uh, that was one of the, the subjects that I think he cut his teeth in the adult world, in, in a sense. Yeah, I would say that's true of me, too. I think that's when I became aware of the political world was during the Watergate hearings because they played at our house. Um, but I remember watching All the President's Men with my brother, and that came out not long after. Um, <laughs> One thing about Bob Woodward, he can be t- very timely, you know, and dare I say prescient sometimes with, uh, because his books seem to be boom right there. But the fact that Robert Redford saw that he wanted to produce yeah. that story and, and the way that that came about, 
is also it was rapid yeah. in in the way that it came out because none of the dust had settled from the Watergate uh, by the time that movie came out. So I remember watching that movie and just being floored. It's actually one of my favorite movies of all time yep. still. Yep, mine too. Um, but, and asking my brother about Watergate because I had not been following it the way that he had. However... Despite all of the education that my brother gave me at that time and having watched all the President's Men many times throughout my life, I think we watched it not too long ago. We did. Um, that was my primary source of information about Watergate. And it was so fascinating to watch Gaslit because it had an entirely different focus told through the uh, through the view of margaret mitchell the wife of john mitchell and who uh, someone who i had not ever even really heard that much about um and also explored some of the of the personalities that were involved yeah and it's and it's it's a it's i believe that it's a little uh over the top in some ways Although I don't know I how far it is from the sure. truth, um, but the, the portrayal of G. Gordon Liddy, I think, is particularly uh, uh, what vivid in that series. You know. Well, and perhaps it's over the top, but uh, from yeah. what I was reading about it I afterwards, to, because I always, I love being presented with a historical, fictionalized drama series. So that you can actually dig into the 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 real facts, right. and you know that it's fictionalized. It's, I, I know some people compre- get really bent out of shape about that, but I feel like all it's there to do is to interest you in the color of the story and the characters involved in the story. Yeah, exactly. I think if they compress the story, the story in a movie, it's just a way of getting more of the characters' uh, real life attributes out there in a shorter period of time. So it's you know. But the thing that was so fascinating about it is G. Gordon Liddy, from the facts, he did all those... He did all those things. Bizarre things. Whoever the actor was who was doing it, man. Yeah. He was almost spellbinding in his intensity and craziness, but... And and Sean Penn is John Mitchell. Oh, my gosh. I was just... I was like, wait a minute... Anyway, because of watching that series, uh, I realized that I have an I have an easier time, and I don't know if this is true for everyone, but I have a lot easier time watching something that has passed us, a generation that's passed us, to kind of explain what's happening right now. Yeah. Because a lot of times you think, Man, this is the craziest time that that has ever been in history. And then you go back into some history and think, uh, no, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not the craziest time. Yeah. There are a lot of crazy things going on yeah. during that time. But uh, the the miniseries was developed from a podcast that was uh, a slate podcast called Slow Burn. Yeah. 
And so I actually listened to the Slow Burn podcast, and it is fascinating to listen to all the ins and outs. And one of the the things that I really liked was each episode was concentrating on a particular element, and they had this whole element about the true believers that would not be shaken no matter what was going on, even when the secret tapes were released and all that. And my father was one of those true believers. So it helped me understand a little bit about what was going on psychologically uh, about that. And I just became so fascinated with that story. They also had a, an episode that was about, um, what they called rabbit holes the the conspiracy theorists really went crazy that was when conspiracy theorism really came into play because something really did happen that was unknown to the public and was trying to uh do some nefarious sneaking around behind people's backs so i just was fascinated by that slow burn podcast I really recommend it to to listen to. Yeah, it's a good historical document. And I think especially young people need to understand that this is, that there is a context for a lot of what they're seeing right now. This is not as out of the blue as it might appear. Or maybe the young people are more educated than I think. Um, I don't know. But it's, it's nice to remember that period of time, uh, and, and kind of superimpose it on this period of time and see that there is a, uh, there's a pattern to it all. And that it's, you know, as much attributable to just basic human nature than anything else. I think the problem that we have now is that as a world, we are so saturated with media that you can't tell what's true and what isn't anymore. And I think that's our fault. <laughs> I think that we are just have become such rabid consumers that, uh, you know. No, I think it's just when you think about the fact that there were only three news broadcasts. And they were basically all reporting the same stories at the same time. And there was no question as to the news was the news. Because the news, and I'm going to say it again, Diane, I'm going to bring it up again. Something called the Fairness Doctrine. Yeah. Which was a law in this land uh, of the FCC that news broadcasting was public service broadcasting and was not thought of as part of the profit-making part of a television station or a television network. It was what they did that made their that allowed the FCC to grant them their license. In order to get a license, you had to do a certain amount of public service broadcasting and it wasn't about selling advertising it was about doing this thing to earn the right to the airwaves that you'd been licensed and that went away during the Reagan years the fairness doctrine was undone and within a year Rush Limbaugh was on the radio and I think that as much as anything is responsible for the kind of media saturation we are uh, stuck with now because you can say whatever you want. There's nobody regulating that anymore. Yeah. And so I think it's the forgotten piece of history that I keep remembering because... Well, and even 
Edward. Edward R. Murrow. Yeah. Yeah. Edward R. Murrow. Why can't I say he Edward was, this morning? He was warning about that back in his day, and that was long before That's the right. Fairness Doctrine was done away with. But he was warning about having it, uh, the news become entertainment. Entertainment, yes. Or even television become solely right. entertainment. Right. When it had the capacity to, to, to teach. Yeah, to, to impart information that would be to everyone's benefit. Well, I really appreciate that, uh, that they did this Slow Burn podcast yeah. because... Uh, because it did uh, bring about this this series, which I think just from the pure acting, uh, the the actors that they had were truly quality actors. So it sort of draw, draws you in. I thought it was just a movie, but it turned out to be a series, which yeah. suited me down to the ground. Yeah. But um, and now. I am listening to a slow burn podcast about the Roe versus Wade um, decision and the whole history of that. And man, it's just so fascinating how we have to revisit the same stuff over and over again, like we haven't learned a thing, you know? Um, I was listening to just the very first episode of that and was astonished by how the pendulum has swung backwards to that time. And all the, the ramifications of what was going on during that time are all the same things that, that will have to be faced again, yeah. you know, and... Uh, fascinating and I have not listened to that much about it Uh, I've just listened to the first episode which was uh, eye-opening enough but but that's what made me think about the music for today actually Hmm. Um, Uh, let's see yeah Yeah. did you have any I didn't have any inkling about uh, why you picked that song but I thought oh yeah this is good this will be great well, there's a couple of reasons why, because I, I actually think that the Supreme Court decision actually did make uh, make a difference in the elections. And we don't usually talk about all this stuff, but, yeah. but just in, in focus with what has been going on this week, uh, I was thinking it did drive a lot of women to the polls. Um, I think that women have become quite active in the polls anyway. Yeah. But, and I don't know when Peter Gabriel wrote this song. I was trying to find that information. Hmm. Um, it was on this album that was titled Shaking the Tree, which was issued in 1990. Hmm. But I don't know whether it was... I couldn't find whether that song... Because that was a collection of, of top hits that he had. Oh, that was like a greatest hits album. Yeah, it was a greatest oh. hits album. So I wasn't sure whether "Shaking the Tree" was on some other album too, or, or whether, whether it was a new it song, was a new song yeah. on this collection. Um, I was still doing the research on that, but but that 
album came out in 1990. Okay. Um, when did the live album come out? It came out in 1994. 94. The Secret World Live. Secret or? World Live, which is one of the best concerts that I've ever watched in video form. I just, we we watched it, I don't know, it's probably been 10 years ago for all I know, but uh, I would like to watch it again, actually. Oh. It was so well done. Yep. Yep. I mean, good album and uh, good song. The song was actually written not about American women, but about African women. Mm-hmm. Um, because they had a notoriously um, oppressive, system. oppressive system over there. Yeah. But it is just such a, a wonderful, uplifting song. Um, sort of a cheering on of why it's important for women to to seek this, even though it's very difficult to, to do. Mm-hmm. So... I think of all my strong women friends and I can't imagine just being subjugated to a man and having that, uh, all that creativity and intelligence just, you know, shrunken in, in a way. So that's why I chose the song for the day. But also just because I, I love Peter Gabriel's songs and thought it would be a good, yeah. good yeah. choice. And also, not just for women, but that we all have to keep shaking the tree, man, you yep. know, yep. Um, until there's more of a compassionate world for us all. That's why, it's, you know, rounding this back around to Henry, it's so inspiring to yes. see young people saying, I want to do something. I want to do something to help the world. Yeah, this is the way, when I look at what Henry's doing, I'm saying, this is what the world needs. And there are young people out there, I mean, young in the elementary school grades Mm -hmm. that are thinking about a world concept, and maybe we will finally break free um, as the old dinosaurs must shuffle off, (laughs) you know, (laughs) shuffle off the world stage, I hope. Anyway, we need some young blood. True debt. True debt.
you